hello again, it's Sarah from Weird Horizon. Today we're going to be taking a little look at modern astrology and trying to bridge the gap between ancient astrology and the surprise Pikachu astrology memes that we have today. So we are going to be hanging out with Carl Jung again, um, as well as taking some detours past some of the services today, which basically feel like astrology for people who don't like spiritualism. So I hope you enjoy and let's get going. So modern astrology is a huge subject and there are a myriad of ways astrology can be used today to help with guidance for all manner of subjects. Examples would be relationships, health, children and pregnancy, career goals, self-realization and self-reflection, among many, many others. And as mentioned today, astrology is classed as a pseudoscience. So at one time it did evolve alongside and along with astronomy before a line was drawn between the science of celestial mechanics and the use of said mechanics as a basis for celestial divination. So there was a point at which they were both treated as science, but now we have a real delineation between celestial mechanics and celestial divination or astrology. Now this convergence is attributed to around the 17th century, but this debunking has not resulted in the practice falling into obscurity alongside concepts such as alchemy or phrenology. In fact, the question of even seeking a scientific proof for astrology has kind of fallen to the wayside. Modern astrology focuses on the individual and their view on the world, and helping them to understand their feelings and choices. So in this way, it has distanced itself from what is provable scientifically, because it is about your subjective viewpoint on the world. And it is no longer serving the kind of role as an omen or portent in the same way it once was. Astrology remains popular today since its resurgence after the mid-1850s and the massive upswing of interest in spiritualism in general. But it has, in modern times, shifted its focus more to the individual and the interior world of the mind. And there are, of course, no shortage of people who say it has helped their lives immeasurably. It is, after all, a system to help us navigate the modern world, and draw guidance at a time when we may feel lost or paralysed by choices, but often knowingly not in possession of all of the facts. Nonetheless, there are of course still modern criticisms of astrology, as there are still those who attempt to dress up astrology in the costume of a science. I would say most don't, but the common criticism of astrology do lead down this idea of, is it a scientific practice? One of the main criticisms with astrology is that some of the statements that people publish as horoscopes are just so broad that they must be true in some form or fashion. For example, I read a horoscope a couple of weeks ago that just said it would be a good idea to be careful with your money. (laughs) And I read one for a sign that said, reading some new books would be a good thing for you, or meeting some new people. These are the kind of very broad statements that are often criticised when talking about astrology, as they are so broad that it is impossible to argue that that can't be true for everyone in some form or fashion. Then there are kind of the opposite side of people who say, okay, if it is true 
that certain signs do mean things about a specific person's personality. It would make business sense for people to be recruited according to their signs. So if we knew, for example, that Taurus was more suited towards one particular avenue, then it would make sense for people in that business to recruit Tauruses. So the kind of argument is, well, if it is true, then someone would have monetized it in that way. Bit of a weird argument, but I can kind of, I can kind of understand it. Another one of the bigger arguments that I think more people can understand is the criticism that its success is predicated on confirmation bias. Because at the end of the day, even if this information is printed in the paper, which you're going to get anyway, you seek out this information. So it is within your best interest to kind of justify you seeking out this information in the first place. So it was in your best interest to make best use of those times and feel like you've gotten good advice out of it. And because of that, you're more likely to see patterns that just aren't there if it helps to confirm your bias in this case. So if you want it to be true, if you want there to be a certain quality that you hold, you will tend to pay more attention to instances and things that support this argument and pay less attention to things that detract from it. Now, confirmation bias is a huge subject, especially when it comes to people thinking about themselves and judging themselves. So that is going to kind of come up over and over again in this argument. So keep it in mind. Another argument against astrology in that it can't be viewed as scientific as it does not adapt to contrary evidence. Scientific fields are expected to evolve as they get feedback from those within it. So the idea would be you have a hypothesis which is tested and then based on the feedback you get, it is adjusted alongside the knowledge that you have at the time. But astrology has adapted along with the times, but it has not adapted according to the contrary evidence, contrary scientific evidence. Because as mentioned, there really is not any good scientific evidence to say astrology exists. Now, it is very difficult to conceive or even think about an experiment that you could create to prove or disprove astrology. I think it'd be very easy to disprove astrology but it's such a broad subject that I don't I can't even think about what kind of experiment you would conceive of. But basically it's saying astrology cannot be seen as a science as it does not respond to the contrary evidence around it, the people who have done experiments and seem to have disproven aspects of astrology. It has not changed what astrology is at the core. Astrology kind of adapts itself to social needs and the sort of changing needs of society in general, but it does not adapt itself to the contrary science and the contrary evidence, therefore you cannot view it as a science. And another reason it cannot be viewed as a science is that there isn't a sort of peer review structure amongst astrologers' work as there is in other scientific fields. Astrologers' work is widely published, it's not really peer-reviewed in the way that we'd expect scientific papers to be, but again, I think this is hinged on the idea that you are treating astrology as a science. And I don't think many people are. But a lot of the main criticisms of astrology come from this idea that it is putting itself forward as a science. 
I think coming at this from the year 2022, I don't think astrology posits itself as a science anymore, but I think it used to. It used to at least justify itself a bit more in that there could be some sort of scientific basis behind it or just the implication with science or that someone's attempting to treat it as a science. But I don't think we really have this viewpoint nowadays. I think this was more of a question when I was growing up, but nevertheless I had to mention it. But what we're mainly going to be talking about today is the process by which ancient astrology became what we know it as today. So we're going to be talking about the way it is used today and how it interacts with other modern concepts for self-realization and self-understanding. Astrology today is wildly popular to the point it can be described as an obsession. So popular YouTube channel Wisecrack takes a tongue-in-cheek look at the phenomena in their video, The Modern Astrology Obsession Explained. And this video runs down some of the reasons astrology remains so popular to this day, despite the widespread understanding that the science behind it is less than strong. So it kind of runs down the reasons why, in an age where we feel ourselves to be very educated and science is on a whole trusted, this is a scientific age, although... And that question is sort of rearing its head quite <laughs> in quite an ugly manner at the moment. It's saying, okay, if we know the science behind it is less than strong, why do we still use astrology in 2022? Now, there are, of course, hundreds of reasons why you may use astrology in 2022. But as a real quick run-through, it serves as a guidance for people when they may feel lost or unfocused. And it is a system of guidance that places itself outside of organised religion or government. Despite in the past it had stricter associations with religion and with governments, nowadays it does not. So it can be of particular use to the disenfranchised or people for whatever reason need to find their own governments or their own guidance. What's more, it allows us to feel acted on by a higher power or a force outside of us but without robbing us of the agency to make our own choices. It is very focused on the idea of making your own choices. For these two reasons, many people view it as a kind of religion for the non-religious, as it regularly prompts us to step back and analyse our lives, assess our progress, and kind of get the distance we need to reframe our experience as it's happening. It is this structure for self-reflection which may explain why it is so massively popular in the 21st century, as it can be seen as a focus of 21st century modern living, this idea of self-reflection and empowerment. It helps to make ourselves feel unique, feel special, and feel like we have a part in the puzzle of the universe. It can also serve as a kind of coping mechanism And it can provide a reason behind some of the bad things that happen to us, so we can process them. And for this reason, some people view it as a form of therapy for those who can't or won't seek psychiatric help. But of course, these are only a few very specific ways that it can be used. It is a self-reflective tool at the end of the day, so there are many, many more ways it can be used. But why is it so particularly popular Now, Now, it may be that modern astrology is thriving because of the structure it takes nowadays. As touched upon last week, 
astral charts and horoscopes are more accessible and more customizable than they ever have been. But more persuasive might be its modern life as part of memes and part of astrology accounts and sort of astrology TikTok. Most of the astrology content you will come across nowadays exists as bite-sized, shareable snippets of data that are applicable to fairly large groups of people, but interpretable in many ways and customizable, but customizable to a finite amount of iterations. So this is building up on astrology's past life and the idea of condensed horoscopes being printed in the papers and knowing your sun sign, it's kind of building up on this. With a very small window, very small avenue into astrology, you can start to get little bite-sized bits of information that you can use, then you can act on, and you can help to guide your life with very, very little input on your side of things. You really don't have to invest loads of time into it to start getting something back. Um, So that might be one of the reasons it is so popular right now but we will come back to this later so one of the funny things i found when i was watching that wisecrack video is that it is like it's a very tongue-in-cheek look at astrology it very clearly sees utility as like a human tool but is scientifically skeptical but that video has a sponsor from self-decode and self-decode is a company that offers personalized health reports generated by a DNA sample that you volunteer yourself. So they'll send you a little pack. You collect some of your DNA, they send it off for analysis at a cost of about $200 minimum before discount, including one of these tests. Now, I don't want you to think that I am criticizing Wisecrack or Self-Decode. I just wanted to raise it as I think it's interesting because it implies that there's a kind of overlap in the audience between these two. There's an overlap in the audience between people who would use self-decode and people who are kind of interested yet skeptical when it comes to astrology. Because in a way, self-decode can come across like a scientific version of astrology. It offers some of the same things as astrology, but with a more provable background, a background in DNA, something that a lot of us believe very strongly is the key to kind of unraveling what it means to be human. And we can, of course, prove the association between certain genes and being susceptible to certain conditions. So there's a causality there. But where it gets interesting is that self-decode isn't just a service to screen for certain indicators. It is not called self-decode for no reason. It aims to provide a clue to your habits and characteristics with the idea that you can use this to, as they say, shape a better life. The aim of it is understanding yourself to kind of crack the code that is your own life and your personality. So a sample anxiety DNA wellness report claims things such as your estimated risk for anxiety based on over 800,000 analysed genetic variants. It then suggests a list of specific supplements and psychotherapy to consider as long as recommended exercise that can help either mitigate this risk or avoid it altogether. So the idea behind this is that if you know what kind of things you may be at risk at due to your genes or things that you may perform well in for example you can use this to transform your life and your health. 
and the report is broken down to around 30 topics. So we've got not just anxiety, but specific multi-page reports covering things such as bone health, joint pain, and interestingly, mood and mood swings. And the idea is that with all of this information, which you regularly update as you implement changes, you can have the most information possible in order to make informed decisions about your health. And the idea is that it can lead to a depth of understanding only possible with modern technology. Now, does this sound familiar? (laughs) So one of the questions I have is, is understanding yourself something to strive for it's not just healthcare and self-actualization in which this boom of information is being transformed into these kinds of system and products by which we can know ourselves better so unless you have been living under an absolute rock you may have noticed the explosion in interest in genealogy so sites like ancestry.com or 23andme which promised to give you an insight into who you are and where you came from. Genealogy can be used to foster better self-understanding, putting us in touch with our history and connecting us with long-lost relatives. But a huge way it is used is to connect us with the famous and the respected, with the implication that by sharing some genealogical heritage, this then says something about our character, our strength, and our value in society. There is also, of course, a facet in this of using it to find your own people, finding somewhere where you belong. But I think the primary reason it's become so popular is that it is, at its root, a search for value, and the kind of shift to finding individual value, even if it puts it within the context of this big branching family tree. So again, I think in this we can see a lot of the same kind of positives and negatives, benefits and criticisms as we see as leveled against astrology. There is clearly a very real need that all of these services are sort of fulfilling in their own way. I think the question is then, how did we get from astrology doing things like predicting famine and plague to things like this? So I think where it really begins is the birth of humanistic astrology. So again, we have a friend of the podcast from Beyond the Grave, Carl Jung, who is very influential in how and why astrology transitioned from a revival of an ancient practice born from this interest in spiritualism to the highly digestible and personal form it takes today. Now, Jung was inspired by the Western esoteric tradition, and it influenced the formation of many of his theories, so namely the creation of humanistic astrology, which was later in the 80s termed psychological astrology or astropsychology. I think astropsychology is a better description than just using astrology, as I think it really helps to outline the specific quality that modern astrology has in comparison to ancient astrology. Astrologer and psychotherapist Glenn Perry characterizes psychological astrology as both a personality theory and a diagnostic tool. And he argues that astrology has in a way always been psychological in nature. He says, in many ways astrology was the first psychology 
in that it constituted an early means for understanding the nature of the human being. Rooted in the premise that cosmos mirrors psyche, the ancients systematically observed how the nature and cycles of the planets corresponded to the nature and experiences of human being. Now, in turn, Jung's theories were based on what he observed of repeated patterns and mythological themes in his patients' dreams, paintings, and conversations. He argued that these classic patterns of thought resulted in patterns of emotions, and it resulted in, in turn, patterns of behavior with semi-predictable outcomes. Human thought takes certain patterns, certain arts, certain cycles, as does the movement of the planets. He also developed a theory called synchronicity. Synchronicity meaning things done at a particular time have a quality in them of that moment in time. Thus, the position of the planets at the time of birth had a correlation with the birth of a particular person as they occurred at the same time. So there was not a causal link between the planets like working on the body, but the very fact of them happening at the same time meant something. However, where this theory gets very interesting is when Jung suggests that the heavenly figures we see in the sky may have been created by a, a sort of projected collective unconscious. The idea of mapping ancient celestial knowledge onto the canvas of the stars. So therefore, the value attributed to these certain constellations we see in the sky is just a reformatting of this ancient celestial knowledge that is collectively held. So Jung wrote, Astrology represents the sum of all the psychological knowledge of antiquity. So it's a framework through which we can engage with this ancient collective knowledge. He said, also, astrology and other methods of divination may certainly be called the science of antiquity. Therefore, getting to grips with them was getting to grips with something of our ancient world. And it's interesting, I think, that he uses the word science. Because it implies that sort of the truth that may have been held about this in ancient times, which we now debunk as pseudoscience, that there's kind of a, a pattern to it and that maybe the modern science that we view as in opposition to astrology may again in the future be viewed as pseudoscience, like this idea of science is not therefore an objective truth, just a way of understanding the world, which I think is quite interesting. I think it's clear that Jung believed that existence, including human life and human thought, moved along certain patterns and it was therefore, to a certain extent, predictable. To him, there was an importance to events happening in synchronicity, as they took on some quality of the temporal space itself. What's more, the mind, especially the collective unconscious, to Jung is clearly massively powerful, and astrology is just one of the ways that we can start to decode all of the information that it holds. But at this point, we are still mostly talking about humans en masse, the patterns of our behavior en masse, our dreams and our minds and the sort of patterns they take, but they are patterns. So there is a sort of collective similarity always hinged on 
collective. So it's not so much interacting with the individual and it's not as individualized and personalized as astrology feels today, but it will get there and we will come back to this. So Dan Rudyard, French-born American author, composer and pioneer of the idea of transpersonal astrology, so meaning this shift in focus in astrology from the individual to our relationships and our careers. He was the first to combine Jungian psychology with the practice of astrology in his book, The Astrology of Personality, in 1936. But the idea really started to take off in the 80s, resulting in the founding of the Centre for Psychological Astrology in London. So finally, it seems that astrology was being approached from a scholarly perspective, a purely humanistic perspective and quite divorced from its spiritual roots. But it was again practiced in its own scientific centres. But there weren't really any gods to be found here. But it was the coming of a new era that would pour fuel onto the flame that was modern astrology. Quoting again from Jung, this outlines why he felt the need to start to codify these ideas. It is not presumption that drives me, but my conscience as a psychiatrist that bids me fulfil my duty and prepare those few who will hear me for coming events which are in accord with the end of an era. As we know from ancient Egyptian history, there are manifestations of psychic changes which always appear at the end of one platonic month and at the beginning of another. Apparently they are changes in the constellation of psychic dominance of the archetypes, or gods as they used to be called, which bring about or accompany long-lasting transformations of the collective psyche. This transformation started in the historical era and left its traces first in the passing of the eons of Taurus into that of Aries, and then of Aries into Pisces, whose beginning coincides with the rise of Christianity. We are now nearing that great change which may be expected when the spring point enters Aquarius. It was the beginning of the age of Aquarius. Now, as a quick background, astrological ages are based on the slow processional rotation of the Earth, where the axis of the Earth effectively moves in space in a very slow circular arc. Now, one full rotation of this takes around 26,000 years. In astrology, this procession is broken up across the 12 astrological signs, each lasting around 2,160 years. However, our position in this timeline, and therefore which astrological era we are in, does vary and depend on your method of counting. As such, the start date for the next coming age, or the current age depending on how you count it, the age of Aquarius is anywhere between 1447 CE and 3597 CE. However, Nicholas Campion, who is a historian of astrology, summarises that by most published astrological materials, the age of Aquarius arrived in the 20th century. Now, astrologers believe that an astrological age affects humanity and can influence the rise and fall of civilizations, as well as subsuming of certain cultural tendencies or things rising to the surface. 
And the transition between two eras is always a time of great change and potentially great upheaval. The common position expressed by many astrologers sees the age of Aquarius as the time when humanity takes control of the earth and its own destiny. In order to prepare for this, astrology was used to gain insight on the self and the personality instead of, as we said in the past, predicting external phenomena. The products of, or maybe a reason why, there is such a boom in interest in the mind and in the individual destiny, as no era up to that point was so concerned with the interior mind of the human brain and was devoting so much time to unravelling its secrets. But as mentioned, this was the age where we were on the verge of an era of heightened consciousness, moving from an era where religion was paramount into an age of scientific advancements and sort of self-understanding that has never been experienced up to this day. And the shifts that were expected are going to be numerous and widespread, coming and going like a sort of tide. But when we think about the age of Aquarius now, we don't think of a gradual wave of societal change more it is specifically associated with the heyday of the new age and hippie beliefs in the 1960s and the 1970s. So the coming of a new age of enlightenment and connection was taken up by the new age spiritualism movement. And it was a widespread form of Western esotericism that permeated popular media. You could not really escape the ideas and themes of the new age or of the hippie movement, they were just kind of everywhere. So their beliefs drew widely from historical occult beliefs, as well as ideas of spiritualism, theosophy, and the burgeoning counterculture of the 60s, including, interestingly, sort of early UFO religious movements of the 1950s. But even though it was called the new age, most of the ideas were not in fact new, but they were a collage of older ideas focusing on the spiritual authority of the self. They positioned the individual as in charge of their own spiritual development, and they put a lot of focus on the power of the mind and this kind of attempt to unify the spiritual with the scientific through the human mind, as it were. One of the best ways to gain authority over your life, your choices and your viewpoints was through astrology because it provided, as mentioned, an excellent framework to better understand yourself, to analyse and reflect on your tendencies and a way to approach your thoughts and feelings from a more enlightened and in many ways more analytical viewpoint. So again, sort of uniting the spiritual with the scientific. But New Age ideas were also intrinsically linked with the idea of the divine. So although not strictly associated with any one god or any one religion, more a holistic divinity that implies humans are divine in and of themselves, and that the human spirit may be divine in and of itself, and that life represents a process that the spirit must go through in order to gain self-realization. But this desire to understand oneself was not confined to the New Age, or to astrologers, or even to psychoanalysts. It was a drive of the 20th and 21st century as a whole. 
The desire to understand more about ourselves, gain insight over our choices and preferences. This is exhibited whether you're studying your natal chart or you're doing a BuzzFeed quiz in order to guess your you know, breakfast order at Starbucks. So what other ways have astrological ideas or the needs they served permeated society as we experience it today? Especially facets of society that are intentionally distanced from ideas of religion or spirituality. Let us have a look now at one of the most widespread psychological assessments in use today, the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, and the links it has with astrology. So not to spoil it for you, but we are talking about Carl Jung again. So the Myers-Briggs personality types are probably the most widespread application of Jung's theories currently in use, and they were developed during the Second World War. So it is a psychometric questionnaire designed to analyze psychological preferences in how the subject perceives the world around them and how this influences their decisions. It is designed to classify you into one of the typological groups developed by Jung in his 1921 book, Psychological Types. Crucially, these types are finite. So the creators of Myers-Briggs adapted Jung's types, which were in turn originally based on the four elements of classical cosmology, which (laughs) in turn the zodiac was structured on. In the zodiac, we assign certain types with earth sign or an air sign, earth, air, fire, water, these are the four elements of classical cosmology. So originally, these personality types were based on these four elements. So in this way, Campion describes Myers-Briggs as a fascinating example of disguised astrology masquerading as science in order to claim respectability. So my type is INTJ, if you're wondering. I originally did this questionnaire back in university, which is a classic time for trying to understand yourself, of course. And I redid it for this, and apparently I am still the same type, so maybe there's something to do it. I don't know. Maybe it's a pure coincidence. But according to the site I used to take the test, it puts me in such esteemed company as Jane Austen, Rudy Giuliani, uh, Gandalf the Grey, and Hannibal Lecter. So there you go. So the personality test aims to sort you into one of 16 types made up of letters designed to show if you have a preference of extroversion over introversion, sensing over intuition, thinking over feeling or judging over perceiving. It is a self-assessment, so it's based on your behaviours and your perceptions in certain situations, based on what approach you tend towards in your thinking and in your actions. And from that, you're ascribed a four-letter acronym outlining these preferences. So INTJ means I tend towards introversion over extroversion, intuition over sensing, thinking over feeling, and judging over perceiving. According to this type means I am confident in what I know, as well as knowing what I don't know. Self-confident to the point it can come across as arrogant, Reliable, but with little patience when it comes to small talk and flotation. But despite its scientific seeming approach, I'm sure already you can see, despite the impersonal seeming acronyms, the way in which Myers-Briggs and astrology serve the same need, but maybe for different people, and for this reason come under the same kinds of criticisms. So it provides a way of understanding yourself and 
putting a pattern to a system of behaviour and attitude that can seem random. As such, Myers-Briggs is essentially placing the individual on four separate axes, providing seemingly endless amounts of data from which to analyse. However, there are, at the end of it, only 16 distinct types. So like astrology, it can provide the same kind of kinship of feeling as though you belong under a certain sign, but with more options, (laughs) at least when it comes to sun sign signification. The questions in the quiz range from broad questions about your values, such as do you feel that the world is founded on compassion, with that being a, a yes or a no, true false, to the more specific and sort of fact and statistics-based questions, such as you usually place yourself nearer to the side than in the centre of a room. And the version I took consisted of 64 questions, which is just enough questions to feel like there is some sort of maths going on behind the scenes to unravel the truth and, and sort of find the link there between my seating preference and my worldview. But in general, it does not demand the same kind of soul-searching that modern astrology can. It has at least the appearance of being fact-based, hinged on what you have done as much as how you feel. But this, however, does lead to some of the problems that it raises. There is the tendency to ascribe type post-mortem to famous figures based on their actions. Why do we do this? Well, like genealogy, it's a way of claiming kinship with those who have come before us and implying a kind of shared quality of characteristics that can give you a better idea about how your life and fortune is liable to pan out. So in the same way you can think, I'm the same personality type as Martin Luther King, if you found out you were related to Martin Luther King, you feel like both of these things imply something about you, something positive about you. It gives you some sort of innate value. But this, of course, ignores the fact that the test is supposed to be a self-assessment as it is built just as much on the feelings around your actions and your actions as you perceive them. Now, perceive being a key element here as well, as like all of what I've talked about so far, it can so easily fall victim to confirmation bias and the tendency of humans to ignore all but that what confirms our point of view or our worldview. Myers-Briggs, though, does try to address one of the key surface-level complaints of astrology. So when I was talking about earlier how astrology doesn't really evolve along with the science, it does, in its offshoots, evolve along with popular complaints around it. So one of the complaints about astrology is that if your type and its significations are prescribed at birth, it cannot adapt to the changing relationship we have with our personality and our mind as we grow. So Myers-Briggs attempts to combat this by assigning an A or B signification to a personality type, which is supposed to imply a, a type that you're born with versus a type that you become, sort of introducing a kind of nature versus nurture element, albeit heavily simplified. And I think the way modern astrology comes to deal with this is that it is hinged on the mental work you have to do in order to take on the advice it gives. It, it gives guidance, but 
the real work that needs to be done, the real utility is you putting that into practice yourself. Therefore, modern astrology really sidesteps this idea that you've got innate path, innate fate that you must follow. It's saying more that maybe certain things that may happen to you, but it's all down to how you respond to it, you know. But with both Myers-Briggs and astrology, some still argue that it can be constraining, that knowing and embodying a particular type too much can lead one to exhibit behavior that they believe is indicative of that type. So it may mean you're likely to do something because you feel like it fits your type, or you're more likely to not do something because you feel like it doesn't fit your type. And of course, there is a similar argument with astrology. With both, it ignores the enormous amount of ways that you might interact with your assigned classification. It could be adherence, it could be finding value in it, it could be rebellion to it, it could be illuminating this relationship between your actions and the memory you have on your actions, or saying something about the bias we introduce to every day when we think about our experiences. But to avoid simplifying it anymore, I think it's clear to see that astrology Myers-Briggs and many other forms of self-classification and analysis provide a wealth of ways by which we might experience our living experience as we live it. But if you believe the need to self-analyze is innate to human beings and being self-aware, or you think it is the product of the new age of Aquarius and opening up of human consciousness, this does not fully explain why astrology is in its heyday today. Let's briefly look at a few reasons why it might be to conclude, because this is already very long. (laughs) So one of the reasons I think astrology is at its peak right now is the turn in the media towards the unique individual and realizing one's uniqueness as we live. So not just realizing how unique you are after you die, but realizing your positive attributes and what makes you special as you live your life and appreciating this. So as we said, astrology as a practice never really went away. It's not fair to say then that it was steadily climbing up in popularity up to today. More, it seems that it surges in popularity under specific circumstances, like the New Age movement or the Internet age, which you could view as the sort of age we are in now. And sure, the Internet has something to do with it. The Internet makes access to materials on astrology comparatively trivial, It allows the easy sharing of resources and the serving up of very specific astrological content to groups of people daily, hourly, honestly, as often as you want it to. But astrology has often been linked to stress as a kind of stress response, as a way of finding meaning where there seems to be none, finding an answer to a seemingly random set of events that we experience every day. The more information we come across, the more it feels like there is no pattern to any of this. Now, human beings seek out certainty. We have a kind of relationship whereby a certain but bad outcome is of more comfort than an uncertain but only potentially bad outcome. There's this feeling that with a plan, we can cope with anything Studies have shown that people are more likely to turn to astrology in times of stress or uncertainty because some answers are better than no answers. And not only does this provide a structure to the seemingly unstructured, but it has the potential to put you in touch with a group of like-minded individuals to provide the social support that may help you through. 
So I think it's not just stress. You can't say this is the only period in time that people have been under stress, widespread stress. That's insane. But I think it's more specific than that. So let's lead me on to astrology in the age of social media. It's seemingly never been easier to find a committed community of people sharing content on any number of topics. Social media did not create an interest in astrology, but it gave more and more people the ability to share their content and experiences to a specific and often highly educated audience, educated in esoteric topics that most people aren't aware of, only have a very surface level awareness of. But I think astrology content in a lot of ways is especially well suited to spreading via social media, which is why it's so successful. Social media, at least in recent years, has evolved a set of very specific aesthetics in which similar content is expected to look a certain way and be instantly recognisable as such. So we come across such a steady, unbroken stream of content that we have the need now to be able to classify the content we see in less than a second, and we can use this information to choose what we do and don't engage with. Horoscope content has a recognisable structure, uh, with the zodiac symbols being in popular consciousness since the astrological revival of the 1970s, realistically, maybe even before. The symbols themselves are excellent, of course, for conveying condensed information for a person in the know. And when it comes to the zodiac, almost all of us can, at minimum, recognise our sun sign, and in a second, feel a connection to the information that are presented. Modern horoscopes also prioritise introspection and have distanced themselves from the portents of the past. And they fit very naturally with the modern trend towards self-help and realising one's individual potential. We are all different and success looks different to each and every one of us. So a daily horoscope, such as things don't have to carry on in the same way, which is my daily mail horoscope for today, fit within the trend towards the broadly inspirational, which makes up the bulk of the most shareable, most social media friendly content we know of today. There is a particular facet of this which has recently started to come under fire. As mentioned, social media gives the individual the opportunity to present any version of themselves they wish to, as authentic or inauthentic as they like it to be. But there is a certain kind of content which is most favourably treated by the algorithm, that being posts which garner attention, good or bad. They prioritise in many ways the inflammatory, as well as the content with the biggest, broadest appeal. A knock-on effect of this is that anyone engaging with it and wishing to put out content of their own and have people engage with their content is that you must in effect run an editorial process on your own life and output as it is happening. This constant self-analysis fits neatly with modern astrology with its focus on presenting a broad point and having you do the work to apply it to your own life and circumstances. It can be positive, as approaching your lived experience through a reframing lens can be very helpful. It can give us distance from a situation, and recognising why we have certain responses is our biggest weapon in fighting that response and getting control over it. But one of the criticisms of this approach 
is that it can force a kind of romanticism or narrativizing of our lives as we live them. So that's a very broad subject in itself. But at its very essence, I think it treads the same path as astrology in that it can come with the same kind of positive and negative associations that astrology does. For better or worse, I can have up-to-the-hour horoscopes delivered to my phone forever or until I choose not to engage with them anymore, until I go out of my way to say, no, I don't want to see these. What I choose to engage with feels like the entire world to me, as it is all I will ever likely see. It is a system that favours patterns and specific kinds of content, specific blueprints. And it starts to feel like if I only see a certain kind of content that there must be a reason, right? Even though I have access to a wealth of content from all over the world, all kinds of people and cultures, more and more my choice to choose and engage with the content is being taken away from me. But I think more and more we are realising that there is a limit to how many decisions we can make in a day. Decision fatigue is a real thing. And there is a utility to having some of the choices made for us even if those choices and our resulting actions aren't based on fact as we would perceive it. But this all goes to say, does it matter if it's made up? Does the scientific basis change any of what we've talked about? For me, because I need to come to a conclusion or I will talk forever, astrology seems like one of the ways humans can find meaning in the world. It has a very interesting history and is woven alongside the development of modern society and its changing values. And for that reason, it is an interesting through line to compare and contrast different eras and the human response to those eras. But does it matter if it's real? What does real mean in this situation? Does it mean, can it be scientifically proven? How would we go about constructing an experiment to scientifically improve astrology, even if we could? I think the most concrete thing we can say about it is that it will be around for some form in the foreseeable future, and I'm interested to see in what turns it will take, because it's never going to fail to say something interesting about people. Thank you once again for listening. It means the world to me that people are listening. I hope you're enjoying this series so far. Researching this is like getting to the top of a mountain and then you crest the peak and there are just more mountains. It is a massive subject and one with so many avenues to explore. And right now we're just kind of going where my mind takes us. So analyze from that what you will. I will be back next week continuing this discussion and getting some outside perspectives, hopefully. If you would like to call me a typical Capricorn between uploads, you can find me on Twitter as Weird Horizon or on Instagram as Weird Horizon Podcast. Much love. Bye.